This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, this song says it all. Wanna see my picture on the cover? Wanna buy five copies for my mother? Wanna see my smiling face on the cover of the Rolling Stone? Well, of course, it's not a rock star that got the latest cover like it was in the song. It's the man the writer has dubbed the North Star, our very own Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And get a load of some of the writing in this piece, a veritable gusher. And I quote, His dark hair is a color found in nature. At home, there is a glamorous wife and three photogenic children. And there are also some whopping errors, like referring to Trudeau's Liberty Party and the Royal Canadian Mountain Police. Well, the piece has inspired a ton of commentary, with editorials telling Trudeau to cut the celebrity preening and get to work, and some conservatives going so far as to say that it could endanger NAFTA talks. You know, maybe the president might take offense at the cut line on the cover, which reads, why can't he be our president? Well, we want to hear what you think, of course. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, let's go to Ashton Arsenault, who is a consultant at Crestview Strategies, and Jane Tabor, vice president at National PR. Hello to both of you. Hi, Libby. Ashton, are you there? Hello? Okay. Uh, We'll start with you, Jane. Uh, So what do you make of all of this? Well, I I, actually, I'm I'm quite intrigued by the whole thing. I I love it. I love when, as a former journalist, I love it when this kind of debate starts to happen and the, you know, the Tories get into it saying it's going to, the world is going to fall apart. Uh, And I love that the Liberals are probably feeling very smug because the Tories have been out in the U.S. talking about NAFTA and and, uh, and the Qatar, uh, the the Qatar uh, payout of the $10.5 million. So I like it when, when all of this debate is happening. I think at the end of the day, though, Libby, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a puff piece about, uh, about Justin Trudeau with some errors in it that, I, that you mentioned that I believe now have been corrected online. Uh, and uh, and, it, it just, and that's, where it will, that's where it will stay. I don't think it's going to have any impact one way or another. Okay. Uh, you really don't. Um, what do you think about some of the commentary? Is a, uh, do you think it's a bit heavy? They're saying it can endanger NAFTA talks because this particular piece kind of sets Justin Trudeau up as the anti-Trump. 
Yeah, that's how that's that's the writer who took that approach. Justin Trudeau is very careful if you look at his comments that he doesn't say anything negative about about Donald Trump. He doesn't say anything in in, in fact he wouldn't he wouldn't even go there. I think he said to the reporter, "Nice try." So that's the reporter's point of view. It's not Justin Trudeau's point of view. It's not the Canadian government's point of view. So I don't see really how that will uh, how this hurts the relationship. Uh, you uh, you don't. What do you think of uh, uh, the other thing? There seems to be a tit for tat uh, because last <clears throat> week uh, the Liberals, including the Prime Minister, uh, really criticized uh, the Conservatives for airing uh, their uh, for airing their uh, their comments uh, about Cotter, and now mm-hmm. they're turning around and having a great big piece in Rolling Stone. What do you think of that criticism? Well, yeah, that's what, that that's that's kind of interesting. It's the it's the the Trudeau surrogates who are who are talking about that, saying that uh, you know the fact that uh, I think it was Michelle Rempel and Peter Kent who are out in the American media talking about the uh, the the payout and trying to whip up. Um, you know, anti, anti-liberal sentiments. Uh, you know, through through the U.S. They're, they're now, as I said, the, the liberals look can be very smug or are feeling very smug right now because they've got this this big piece in, in Rolling Stone, which I think a lot of it would have had to have been written um, before the the you know before Rempel and uh, and Peter Kent went out. In fact, he does mention in the story about the the Catter payout, but I was just trying to figure out the timelines uh, for a story like yeah, well, the story. the story kind of begins with the final press conference uh, at the end of the season. It's just, uh, I guess, what the conservatives are saying. You know, you criticized conservatives for going out in the U.S. media and look at you. I'm going to try to bring in Ashton Arsenault. I think we have you on the line now. Hi there, Libby. Hi. Uh, Sorry to keep you waiting. We had a little bit of technical difficulty there. Uh, Ashton, what do you make of all of this? Yeah, well, I just want to say that any segment that starts off with a Dr. Hook song is a good one. Um, but uh, I'll just say that the, uh, the Rolling Stone piece itself isn't entirely a bad thing for the Prime Minister, nor his party's electoral interests. Uh, if anything, this is the type of article that broadens the Prime Minister's appeal abroad, uh, which isn't terrible given today's political uh, climate. The real question is what sort of appeal are we talking about? And I think we can conclude that that appeal comes with a trouble, uh, troubling lack of substance. So after repeated attacks, I think justified attacks, that the Prime Minister is nothing but a selfie stick, a bad pair of socks, and perhaps a questionable hair day away from saying something completely incoherent and detrimental to his own cause, he winds up in a laughable puff piece on the cover of the Rolling Stone. So this is the type of thing that makes you question the judgment and the priorities of the Prime Minister. And look, I don't think there's any question that the article itself doesn't help Canada in the NAFTA negotiation. This is the type of thing that Trump will read, and I don't think he'll come to a positive conclusion. Uh, okay, Jane, uh, what do you say to that? Well, I don't agree with that. I don't think I, the, the fact that there's uh, no criticism of, of Trump in here. It's again, as I said before, it's the reporter's point of view, not not Trudeau's point of view. It does talk about how uh, Trudeau that, that Trump does like Trudeau. Um, and the other thing that, that that we have to to realize is behind the scenes is that you know Katie Telford, who is mentioned, uh, no, I think she's not mentioned in the piece, but Trudeau's chief of staff, Katie Telford, and Jerry Butts, who's mentioned in the piece as principal advisor, have worked very hard behind the scenes building the relationship with the U.S. and they've done a very, very good job of that, and I think that's pretty solid. So I think that groundwork, a lot of that and a lot of what the ambassador, our ambassador, the Canadian ambassador of the U.S. has done, David McNaughton, I think, you know, that puts us in good stead for uh, for national negotiations. I don't see an article in Rolling Stone having that much of an impact. I don't think it really makes him look like a lightweight either. I think it talks about... Um, 
it just is, it goes through his background and 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 his family. Um, I don't think the reporter asked any tough questions of of the. Oh, Prime but it Minister. was such I don't a. See that so. It was I. It was it was a really. I think certainly by Canadian standards, it was really uh, an just an incredible a puff piece. I think it was McLean's that already came up with a list of uh, ten most cringeworthy lines yeah, right. in the Rolling Stone puff piece. Uh, but again, uh, back to what Ashton was saying it, it seems to me uh, I think he's right that that is precisely the kind of thing Donald Trump would actually read and uh, he might bristle a bit at at a line that says why can't he be our president you know it's it's like you know the 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 bad witch looking in the mirror saying who's the fairest of them all well so he's going to attack Trudeau for that for somebody saying why can't he be our president so he's going to take it out on Trudeau well I, I think don't, I don't see that happening um, Ashton, again, do you think that that kind of it's it's petty? I'll grant yeah. it. Uh, look, but, I mean, I, I, I honestly I, I find it truly bizarre that the prime minister would take this on knowing full well. And that includes his inner circle. They're just as implicit here that the piece would likely be negative towards President Trump. Uh, it's no secret that the Rolling Stones, a left leaning publication, which is fine enough. Uh, but when a prime minister is attempting to keep a cordial relationship with an extremely unpredictable and sensitive president, I'm not sure this is the way to do it. Now, trying to get inside of the Trump psyche here for a second, which is uh, difficult to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if Trump reads a headline saying, why can't he be our president, referring to Trudeau, I don't feel as though Trump's the kind of guy that will say to himself, gee, I really love that Justin character. What a great guy. And it's, it's, it's of course, there is a good reason, you know, uh, this time uh, Trump would not be wrong if he said Justin Trudeau wasn't born in the United States. Also true. <laughs> That's true. Justin Trudeau, though, has a good relationship with, with Trump. And so I think that, the, as I said before, the groundwork's being laid. So a story like this, I think we're making a little bit too much of it. I think it's a story that I would not have written. And Libby, I don't think you would have written oh, God, a story, no. story like this. I think we would have asked some harder questions. In fact, I think I'd be embarrassed to write a story like this. But on the face of it, I think it's a pretty, a pretty entertaining story. I like the fact that, uh, that our prime minister is getting the, this kind of international attention. I think it, part of it looks good for Canada. But in the end, at the end of the day, we're going to be moving on to other things, and this is going to be forgotten until the next, you know, till whatever the next thing is that comes up. Yeah. Is, is there something, you know, Canadian, we, uh, you know, cutting the tall poppies and that, is, uh, do, do some Canadians not like this because it's a little bit showy yeah and uh, you know some canadians i would say the the conservative party those would be the some canadians who doesn't like they but but the thing is that i know um that if something like this had been written about stephen harper it wouldn't have been written as as glowing as as this but if had had he had something in an american publication there'd be a lot of interest in that as well because we as canadians oh, I don't, love it no our, i don't it, I, when stuff is reflected back on us oh right if and it was interesting because andrew mcdougall who mm -hmm. used to be harper's communications guy uh, also wrote a piece on this. I mean, everybody's writing about it. Yeah. You have to admit it's too good. Mm -hmm. um, and and he said that, you know, he was a little jealous because there was no way in the universe that he could have uh, sold Harper to get a, to get a story like this. Uh, so uh, that's that's kind of amusing. But he said he doesn't think it's it's the right kind of uh, attention. Yeah, I, look, I honestly don't think this is the kind of thing that plays well here. Um, it, there's no question that it broadens his global appeal, but 
I think the Prime Minister has engaged in enough photo bombs and trips to the fashion sock store to last a lifetime. Uh, and, you know, it, it is going to broaden his appeal south of the border and also abroad. But what is it doing for him here at home? He didn't discuss the Canadian economy. He didn't touch on any issues that affect the daily lives of Canadians. This is a pure puff piece that serves very little purpose to his overall domestic political goals. Okay, well, let's take a couple of calls. We've got uh, Sandra in Toronto. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Libby. Um, uh, regarding the, the piece, I just I want to start off by saying I can't believe that it's fodder for any serious political discourse. I mean, <laughs> it is so laughable. I mean, it also shows, in my opinion, it shows the reflection of the Canadian and American journalism, how how so much different we are. Um, it, I, I mean, I'm not a learned person here, but just matter of course, I would not take that, that piece and have any sort of debate about it because the foundation of it is so inaccurate. The fact that it got through all the uh, editors, the copy well, the editors... Well, I wouldn't say the foundation is inaccurate. They made some really s- silly mistakes, which, as Jane pointed out, have probably been uh, corrected online but the, but by point, now. Yeah, the point is they made some mistakes. It brought back visions of uh, Stephen Glass. I don't know if you're familiar with him. But he wrote for the New Republic, and all of his uh, articles were uh, uh, were um, imaginative. They, he was act- he's actually doing retractions to this day, and this happened like eighteen years well, ago. Well, th- you know, to to be to be fair to the writer, who apparently uh, is married to a Canadian, and he's been getting a lot of uh, <laughs> yeah. unflattering messages online. And it, it, he said, I don't know if he was joking. He said he's uh, moving to Vancouver. Uh, but you know, it goes through Trudeau's history as the son of a prime minister. I mean. I mean, it is kind of fawning. I mean, the, one of the lines that really struck me there was, for Trudeau, listening is seducing. <laughs> I mean, really, people? <laughs> well, I just want to make one more point, Libby, if I can. Okay. Just uh, The fact that he, he's an American writer, American journalist, period. Right. Uh, the, and he, in my opinion, he thinks that he can, being a sycophant, uh, he can get gain points. That is maybe the way the Rolling Stone mandate is. I don't know what their mission statement is for that magazine primarily. But in Canada, I mean, Maria Daniel Smith's piece, like she's the one that uncovered all the inaccuracies. She is Canadian. I mean, it shows the honesty of the Canadian versus the fluff piece, as you mentioned, of an American article. Okay, Sandra, thanks for that. that. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, let's go to Roger in Toronto. Hello, Roger. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good, thank you. Okay, uh, this Trudeau guy, he's really pushing the buttons on Mr. Trump. I mean, you know, like, we all know, you know, what Mr. Trump's all about, and we all know what Mr. Trudeau's all about, but uh, he's going a little bit too far. I mean, they're just the opposites. I mean, at least tr- at least Mr. Trump is taking care of his country. This guy well, just well that's open to uh, suggestion. No, Trump, Trump so far, uh, at least before this, loves Trudeau. He, no. he said Trudeau, he said Trudeau is doing a great job. He said it in public. Yeah, His friend Justin Trudeau, True. he said that. He says a lot of things, but if you go on to YouTube or Google, whatever, which most people don't believe in, I mean, he went into uh, some sort of meeting where nobody even wanted to talk to Mr. Trudeau, and he was trying to get attention, and Mr. Trump wouldn't give it to him. I mean, that was right on live. I've I seen it on here on Google. But Okay, well, check it out, Roger. Thanks for your call. Uh, so back to uh, Jane and Ashton. I mean, you know, this is, it, it is a puff piece, but it's, it's exactly the kind of thing that gets people talking. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for the reporter when you mentioned that. I did see him tweet that he was moving to Vancouver. And he went, "Geez, you know, this with this kind of with this kind of coverage." But it really is over the top. Like I'm surprised that you know, to your first caller, Libby, that 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 it that got through. You would think that he'd try for just a little bit more of an edge or something, but it is it is totally over the top. Yeah, I mean, look, if you've read Rolling Stone in the past, and I've read a couple articles here and there, this is sort of what you get out of that publication. So I don't really have an issue with the article itself. But my issue is motive. And perhaps I'm being outrageous here, but I want a prime minister that's acting in the best interests of Canadians. Not anybody else, Canadians. And the fact that anybody could view this as acting on Canada's priorities is a bit perplexing to me. But then again, we're talking about a prime minister that would rather introduce Shakira at the G20 then engage in a productive conversation. That's not to engage in a productive conversation. He engages in lots of productive conversations. I just think people are making a little bit too much out of it. It's what, like take it for what it is. It's a it's a puff piece. It's in Rolling Stone. That's created like a, a debate about Canada. I mean that that to me is 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 a positive thing. I'm I'm amused. Wait by a minute. It. Wait I'm a minute, Jane. Jane, a, a debate about Canada or a debate about our extremely charming and handsome prime minister. Our Disney Prince Prime Minister, yes, exactly, yeah, yeah, something like that. But it's, uh, it's but it's, it, again, it's just a blip. It's just a blip in time, and I don't really think it's going to have any positive or negative impact. Um, again, uh, when you was this, uh, I, I also saw one explanation uh, that it might have been tit for tat for uh, again Peter Kent and Michelle Rumpel going to. Uh, the states with their criticisms of the Cotter settlement. Yeah, but what about the timing on it, though, Libby? Was it? Did he? Did he? I'm, I'm just trying to. to well, the t- when, obviously when... they started doing it before, but the yeah. timing for running it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, though I don't know that. The, what do you think about that, Ashton? I, I'm just going to allude to something that Jane actually said earlier. It, this piece looks like it's been dragged out over at least a few weeks. I have no doubt that a good bulkhead of this was written. Uh, prior to that, uh, those interviews taking place between the two conservative MPs. But, uh, you know, uh, just to reference what they did, uh, this type of piece is certainly not going to do anything to placate the 71% of Canadians who think the Prime Minister made a terrible decision when he decided yeah. to stop fighting and instead gave a terrorist murderer millions of dollars. Oh, yeah, well, it's not a matter of placating people. Uh, the argument, as far as I understand it, is that uh, it shows that uh, liberals are hypocrites when they criticize the conservatives yeah. for going in U.S. media because they turn around and do exactly the same thing. Correct. Yeah. Though it wasn't a question of, quote, airing uh, dirty laundry. Uh, Interesting, this is an aside and a different subject, but, uh, you know, um, on this show we've had quite a few uh, episodes devoted to Cotter and the level of anger I found overwhelming. But I just saw a couple of polls that says that it hasn't really hurt uh, the Liberals' popularity. Well, there you go. I mean, he's still, you know, he's still fairly high in the polls. It, it you know, it, it will be interesting to see that he's coming to the halfway mark um, in uh, in the fall. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. I've been hearing that uh, they might prorogue and reset with a throne speech, which would be kind of interesting. Yet they haven't got a lot done. There hasn't been a lot of bills that have, uh, you know, gone through the House and gotten into into legislation yet. So there's a there's a possibility that they might. So I'm I'm hearing some rumors uh, some rumors about that as he's coming to his halfway Pro point. Pro-rogue, isn't that something Stephen Harper used to do and get <laughs> criticized by the Liberals for? 
Hmm. Yeah, he probed maybe a little bit more, but that was minority. There were minority governments going on there when he was when he was there. So proguing halfway through is not like a big. It's not a big scandal. Yeah, I, I would agree with Jane there. Proguing halfway through a majority mandate, uh, certainly nothing new. If you analyze Canadian governments throughout history, that's actually a fairly common practice. It'll be interesting to see, though, because with a prorogue usually comes a reset. And what I'll be looking for over the coming months is a cabinet retooling. Yeah. Uh, whether or not how small or large that is remains uh, a complete mystery, as it should. But that'll be the interesting narrative going forward in the uh, in the next few months. Okay, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm let's. Uh, that. Let... It'll be interesting to see if he if he does that and and if he brings in new people now that uh, you know some of the rookies have had a chance two years to be in government and then we'll just see what he what he does. That'll be that'll be fascinating to watch. Okay, let's take uh, one more call. We've got Jerry in Burlington. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. A couple of quick points. Uh, one, uh, the the article. I mean, what can you expect from Trudeau? I would prefer him to handle to be more in Canada to handle our affairs and to look after our affairs rather than promoting himself everywhere I mean he's everywhere in the world uh, one day he's in uh, Europe another day he's in uh, Halifax whatever I would like him to concentrate on Canadian issues and the other point uh, uh, the liberals and Trudeau is upset about um, the conservatives, but it could be anybody, uh, writing in U.S. Um, newspapers or being on air uh, talking to Americans about Carter and blaming them for the for NAFTA, you know, negotiations and so forth. Well, first of all, uh, it's not like thinking that it is a domestic affair and that it should not concern Americans. If an American, since an American is involved, that's so uh, wrong, you know, basically saying um, we shouldn't be kind of, uh, uh, you know, telling about it because it's our domestic. It's not a domestic problem. I, I get you, Jerry. I'm sorry. Uh, we're, we're really out of time. Okay. Uh, so thanks for your call, but Thank I definitely get your point. Bye. Bye-bye. And uh, people, uh, we're going to have to uh, basically leave it there on this, but tomorrow's free-for-all Friday. You can call back, and we can keep chatting about this. Uh, before we go, uh, Jane and Ashton, uh, quick uh, last thought on this. Jane? Uh, as I said, I'm going to stay, stay with what I said earlier, that I don't think this is going to have an impact whatsoever on the NAFTA negotiations. And uh, Ashton? Look, that's a negotiation that's going to take a considerable amount of time, and as we've seen through the United States' wide-ranging policies on those negotiations, uh, Canada's going to have its hands full regardless, so uh, stay tuned. Okay, stay tuned. That's always a good thing. Ashton Arsenault and Jane Tabor, thank you so much for being with us. Thank, thank you, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.